everybody, welcome to Contest Prep University. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Adam Atkinson. We're gonna continue rolling with our long form series, uh, Coaching Behind the Scenes. And this week, I wanted to, to talk with Adam about how we manage our careers because I'm not sure anybody really gives thought to that, that process, even if we're just coming into it as a, as a newbie, getting on stage for the first time, or maybe even grinding through this for a few years and you've had some wins and you're, you're climbing the ladder. But do you ever consider that this is a, a career, whether it's a, a hobby-ish career or it's something that you want to do as part of being a, a coach or a fitness professional, you know, what's your ultimate game plan? And, you know, not that everybody has to have that mapped out. Uh, not everybody has a five and a 10 year plan, Adam. But I, I will tell you that in, in the very beginning, even when I was a teenager and I said, okay, I want to, I want to compete before I'm 21. I want to be a pro before I'm 30. I, I at least had this concept that, you know, there are different stages you go through. And I'm often a, a little bit disconcerted when a new client comes on board. They've never competed before in their very first show. They say, okay, I want to go to a, a national qualifier. I want to, I'm going to get my pro card. I'm like, well, you know, let's, let's take a time out and let's, let's look at how this looks on, on an alternative time scale or how the, the typical process is. But, you know, what do you think in, in terms of just that whole setup, Adam, and, you know, looking at your, your career as an entire unit instead of just myopically looking at that next contest? Yeah, you have to really dig deep and be honest with yourself on what you actually want and what that is going to look like if you do make that your path. I know so many people who say they wanted pro cards and then they do their first show and they realize how difficult it is to do that first show. So you really have to you know, just know that this is going to be a longer process. I, I know for myself personally, um, I just wanted to qualify for nationals. And uh, I, I knew that would be kind of like the dead end for me, to be honest. But you have to consider when I competed, there were usually around 20 to 24 guys per class. Um, there was only bodybuilding. So I just wanted to break into that top five. And uh, once I did that, I looked at the national people and I said, yeah, I'm probably not going to hang too well there. Um, but I was happy just to have the opportunity to get to go if I had wanted to. Now, I think that, uh, you know, this is going to be different for each individual. You don't have to want to go pro. You don't have to want to go to nationals. Uh, I think of a lot of moms as we talk about the situation where for them, a lot of times it's just being fit. And then also uh, just uh, being a good role model for their family, I think, is uh, what a lot of my mothers tell me. Now, again, that's not going to be everyone. But, you know, also with this kind of goal setting or career um, building, you have to make it your own. So that's some of the best advice I can give is that's going to be what's more true to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had a lot of conversations in, in the last couple of weeks kind of in this realm because the, the contest season is winding down and, and there just aren't that many people still in the game this year because of the pandemic. But, I, you know, I, I was surprised a little bit by one, one gentleman, a guy that competed last year with me, his first contest ever. And then this year uh, he got into really, really fantastic shape. He, he was good last year and, and, and he placed, got a trophy, which he loved. 
this year. He got a, a second and a third in his classes. And, uh, you know, after he goes, Hey man, this has been fun, but I, I think that was my last show. You know, you've been, you've been amazing. Best of what you do, you know, have a nice life. And I'm like, wow. Like that was, that was kind of a short little, you know, window of a career, but I, I think it did become part of what you said. Like he wanted to get into great shape. It, it becomes that bucket list kind of thing where it's like, I want, I want to see what that's like. And yeah, you know, I've, I've had my fill. I'm going to move on to something else. And, and as you said, that's perfectly, perfectly fine. Um, but I don't know if a lot of people who really want the opposite of that, you know, if, if you're that teenage Joe Klimzeski who said, I'm going to do this, then this, then this, then I'm going to win the Mr. Olympia someday, you know, how, how do you create that flow? And do you anticipate how much consistency and work it takes? Because where I want to take this episode of the podcast, Adam, is, you know, talking about how one season builds off of the next, you know, one off season builds off of that previous contest season when do you take a prolonged off season that, that could be two years or even five years or more like, like is is it just that you're desperately seeking that next level or maybe even psychological validation or are you really patiently in this because you love the process you love the sport you love the personal journey absolutely you got me thinking about a few clients i i have where they they want to do everything in that off season just as strictly as prep and if if it's their first off season you wonder how long they're actually going to hang with that and you might find that people what they say dorian yates did the same back workout for like 20 years mm -hmm. uh how how many clients do you have that could do that and uh that's a very very small percent of the population so uh, I, I do have clients who kind of uh, think they want that micromanagement in the off season until they have it for an extended six month period after their contest season ends. And that is where I think, why is bodybuilding so big today? I think, well, now we have flexible dieting. I mean, the turnover back in the day was so huge. And I think we realize now with flexibility, uh, diet auto regulations a lot of the things that we stand for as a company people are lasting longer in the industry which this is a game of longevity not getting there the fastest if you're in this for the long game that's going to be what makes you the best bodybuilder or the best bikini athlete so you really do have to focus on not being micromanaged and you know having some time off having a little bit of a dimmer switch. I would say for most people, I'll confidently say that. Um, you might have a Dorian Yates under your belt, but you need to just treat that person a little differently than some of your other clients because most people aren't going to be able to adhere to just the most rigid plan in the world. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly, you brought up a point that I was going to address too in that one of my brand new clients has, has really been um, kindly uh, complimentary of my approach with her in that she's getting ready to compete next year. She, she's a seasoned competitor. She knows how to, how to do this. And she picked out one of my quotes where I said, you know, look, you know, we, you're, you're, I, I appreciate your diligence and you're really trying to do everything perfect right now, but we're not in pre-contest. We're in kind of transitioning from off season to pre pre contest, we will have plenty of time to hit fifth gear 
next next year like like say save a couple gears like you need to you need to relax be a little bit more flexible enjoy this doesn't have to be quite as perfect as as you're anticipating right now and and she said i've never actually thought of it like that that i i do need to catch my breath and kind of enjoy the process a little bit and what you talked about in terms of throttling back you know it, it's not that you don't you don't still apply yourself because i pushed myself harder, had more fun, and really enjoyed my off seasons way more than pre-contest. As much as I love that transformation and getting to the point where you could see your improvements, man, the, the training, the off season, the growth, that's, that's what sets up your career for hitting a next level. And, and even though you're going to put that kind of diligence into your training, it's not like a 24-7 diet process of, of pre-contest. And and that's why I wanted to chat a little bit even about those off seasons and why maybe even take an extended off season or what that can do for you. And, and, and I know you have to have just hundreds and hundreds of clients you have consulted with to say, Hey, you know, let's, let's talk about that next step. If this is where you want to go, we can't compete six times a year or we can't, you know, we have to, we have to really plan and create a long-term strategy. So, so how does that look like in your world? Yeah. For for me, you know, it's it's discussing what's best for the client, and I have a lot of girls who need longer off seasons, and uh, you just really have to explain well why is this why is this beneficial to me, and and it's hard because the off season just does not seem as exciting. Uh, you know, the plan is to gain muscle. Well, how much? And uh, me and you both know that you're just not going to gain pounds of muscle, but you get that maturity and that density, and it looks like you've gained pounds of muscle. So um, that's the beauty of this is that illusion. But I think, especially with women, it, it's really important to talk about all the benefits. So, you know, optimizing hormones, making sure that the estrogen to progesterone ratio is back in range. Uh, this is going to be huge for them before they even start their next prep. But also, having those hormones balanced is going to help them gain more muscle. So, the less exciting side of that is you're now fixing something you can't see. And I just had to explain this to a client who we're doing a two year off season. Uh, we just got her second set of labs back and uh, she's actually hormonally optimized now. And, and I said, this is cool because now you see the numbers because before it was like paying $20,000 to put a new roof on a house. Like, you're putting a lot of effort in for something that you're just never really going to see. But I said, now your house is protected and now you're, you're in a really good position. Food is much higher. We're able to uh, actually have some untracked days. And uh, she actually struggled with that because she's a very 100% type of person. Well, if I'm not following the plan a thousand percent, is this even good for me? I said, you know, there's there's this unsaid measure of psychology. You know, is it better? Well, we'll know for sure when you're back in prep and if you're ready to go 100% or not. And uh, I think with all the research studies, with how we talk about how like micromanaging meal timing and things like that can be beneficial. Um, on the other end, there is a lot to be said about flexibility 
and improving psychology in the off season. And that's exactly what I'm doing with this client for the next two years has, who has been so rigid and we're about six months in. So we have uh, about a year and a half left. We'll probably start prep six months out from the show. So she's got about a whole nother year left in the off season. Man, it is, it is like you have read my email this week because I, I had the exact same conversation with a client where I talked about the, the longevity of a career. And I said, I said you know, there are, there are things that improve besides just your body or the amount of muscle you gain. So your ability to fit competition in with your life and lifestyle, your ability to even take a certain amount of pain in the gym to really accelerate how much you, you can do there. Um, your, your goals may change over time. You may think you have this and then all of a sudden life takes you over in this direction. But these are things that just do have a tendency to mature and, and water finds its own level. You don't have to micromanage every single part of, of your, your life and the rest of your life. Just you know, have a definite path and a goal, but then be okay with that adjusting. And, and as you just said, that the psychology is, is a part of, of resilience and grit and all of those almost kind of pop cliche psychological traits now uh, that, that will just change over time and hopefully improve. And, and that, that will take you to places that you did not even know you could go. I had, uh, I had two, two clients that, I, that came to mind, uh, Adam, because one of them is really, really young and just getting started. One didn't even start until she was 50 years old. Both of them phenomenal genetics. The, the young one just won every single class and division she entered last week in wellness. She, she's just a young phenom. She's, she's going to be an amazing pro. And, and my, my client who's over 50 also, I mean, gosh, the, the, the hams and the glutes and the, and the delts and everything, like you look at this and say, wow, you, you just can't, you, you, that's a gift. Like you, you've worked extremely hard, but not everybody gets these kinds of genetics and you are a pro waiting to happen. You're going to get that master's pro card, but to both of them, you know, beginning of their career, different stages of life, it's still a process and you're going to go through a, a lot of milestones. You're going to have a lot of best, best evers and, and you're going to get through this. And as I posted today in my coach's clinic, your best possible may not even be possible this year or next year, but you stay in the game long enough and you work on all of these aspects, including the training and the posing and so forth. And you know, that's when, that's when you'll know you hit the pinnacle of your career and you can decide, you know, what to do with it then. But, but there is an arc to this entire journey. Absolutely. I have a client who, um, she took six years off from the stage and she's a master's client. So she's, you know, gotten some years on her and she is competing next weekend. And it, it's just been amazing. She's down about 50 pounds and it's been really cool to have prepped her that long ago to now prep her here. And we just kind of sat down yesterday. She came to pose with me and she said, you know, whether I go pro or not, I'm just very happy with where I'm at. I said, me as well. I said, we both know that you've been a tad bit better when we competed six years ago. But a lot of life happened in between of there. And I said, this is sure as heck your best 48 or 49 that you've ever seen. And uh, 
you know, we are at place in your life and your journey where we almost do have to compare your look to that number. But now that you're back in, you can consistently, you've set the bar, now you can consistently improve from there. You know, one of the things on a competitive level that I've, I've really enjoyed seeing are the people who really do just love the sport so much that they never give it up. I mean, I, I had a client one time who I, I coached him for years and years, and you know, it was a big deal to him that he hit his 100th contest. Like, I, I don't even know how you would track that. Like, I, I mean, in, in 20 years, I don't think I even competed a dozen times total. But, um, you know, a lot of people who are top pros, they just accept the fact that just, just like a major league baseball player, you know, sometimes you're going to strike out, sometimes you get a home run. So you just don't know who's going to show up at a certain show. You don't know when your year is going to go the way you want, even personally. And so, hey, you know, one time, you know, I win big and the next year I didn't quite make there and I'm going to try and recapture that title again the next year. And it, it's okay to them. It's, it's not a do or die, you know, just, just death quest every time to, to, to compete. And, and I like that you can have that kind of competitive fire that you stay in it for a long time, but it doesn't change your entire world based on that one little outcome, which is in the hand of not only a subjective judging panel, but completely out of your control with who shows up that day and in what condition. Yeah, absolutely. We were at a show this weekend where the height classes were divided much differently. So I always find that doesn't work out the best for my tall girls. It's hard to compare tall girls against shorter girls. So uh, it, it swings things. And that's just something that's not in our control that day. But had I known this girl went to nationals, she's competed would be competing with girls at least within a two-inch height range of where she's at. So it would definitely be a much different story. Yeah, I have this conversation with a lot of clients as well. And I specifically remember Corey Probst because she, she made a decision based on this advice that to, to retire. And, and it was, you know, look, Corey, you've, you've earned, you've won pro cards in, in fit body, in figure, in bodybuilding. You've won pro titles. You've never placed out of the top three at the world pro championships, but you've never won that pro championship. And I said, you know, look at your genetics, look at your strengths, look at your weaknesses. The structural weaknesses are not going to be able to be improved but your strengths may continue to overshadow them a little bit. And if you keep competing, I can guarantee you will win a world title. You're not gonna win six straight. You're never gonna get to that point because your genetics just, I mean, you, you know how great her genetics are to, to some degree, all of the success I just laid out. But I said, at that very, very top, that, that one person who can claim that world championship every year, it's yours if you want, but it may take you competing 10 more times and you'll get it once or twice. And she decided, yeah, it's not that important to me. It's, you know, you're right. I may get it this year and retire, or I may still be fighting for it for the next eight or nine years. And, and I guess that was just never my real goal. I, you know, I, I've accomplished all of these goals along the way. I don't need to wrap my entire life around that one just in the hope that I get it. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, you know, that that's really cool. And that's probably one thing that connected you and Corey was your honesty with that, with 
I mean, how many times did she go to Worlds? Like four, three or four times? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, at least three or four, yeah. And like I said, would always get second or third, you know, always just right there. But there was somebody who just always had a little bit, you know, wider shoulder structure, um, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, longer legs or something. Whatever they were looking for that year, you know, she just – she, she always had strided glutes and just a ton of muscle and she just looked fantastic, but there was just somebody who would just edge her out. And you know, even to be consistently in second or third after three earned pro cards, multiple pro titles, like, you know how good that person has to be, but there's always somebody who just has those unbelievable genetics that comes out of the woodwork every year. And again, you can't predict who's going to show up when. Yeah, sometimes you can get someone that it's always the people you don't notice or don't see, and uh, they always show up to show and win, or uh, you know they do get a pro card, and then boom, there they are placing first at their first pro show. Yeah, you know, uh, Deraja Hill is a great example of that. Uh, you know, no one no one fathomed she was going to come out of North Americans, and uh, I think she won the uh, Powerhouse Classic and. Michigan and took down Ashley Kaltwasser, who has been a long time Olympian. So uh, that that's gotta feel really amazing to do something like that. Yeah, I, I've had I can think of two or three people right now that I've helped win pro cards at their first shows as teenagers, and then you never never hear from them again because it was like you, you almost see like they didn't have to work that hard for it. I mean, they were so amazing and they loved it and it was fun, but it's like, yeah, that's cool. Now I'm going to, I'm going to go to college and forget about it. It was just like, you know, there, there's, there, there's that kind of talent out there that you never know can, can creep into the sport. But so uh, last night in our nutrition coaching global mastermind monthly webinar, we had Greg knuckles and uh, you know, he, he, he of course is a power lifter and an exercise science researcher and I love that kind of stuff. A lot of people don't know that my background in orthopedics and physical therapy and, you know, my whole love of training really superseded my career in nutrition. And now that I'm, I'm not quite as, as um, I don't know, I'm, I'm not doing as much in terms of cutting edge type, type stuff, the, the, the lectures, the things that made my career 15 and 20 and 25 years ago, there are just so many other people doing amazing things like Greg Knuckles and Eric Helms and so forth. So, so I love to just kind of sit here and watch these guys take that lead on the research end and publishing. But that arc of the training and the progress is still there. And it's probably a surprise to a lot of my clients that they hire me for contest prep and nutrition and then we end up doing so much more together in the off season with training and progress and building. And uh, that's, that's what I'd like to talk about at least for a few more minutes here. When, when you see somebody that you know is going to be a long-term client, you guys are hitting it off and they're really trusting you and you say, let's, let's, let's plan on the next couple of years. What, what is your MO when it comes to the, the training side? What, What's, what's kind of your long-term planning or strategy for people to just build muscle, build strength? Give me, give me some overall philosophies that you have, some core principles. Yeah, well, nothing comes without effort. And uh, you can have the best training plan laid out, the best progressive overload. So you have to make sure that that effort's there. 
I usually do like to use an RPE scale to keep people, you know, recognizing how much effort they are putting into the gym. So I, I think the effort comes first, like if I were to create like a ladder with this, so to speak. So effort's going to be huge. Uh, I do like using frequency to increase volume, especially on lagging muscle groups. So if someone needs a bigger back, they might be training that twice a week. Uh, my, my girls for bikini, a lot of them are trying to bring up their glutes. So, you know, we might do glutes two or three times a week. And then with that comes recovery as well. So I might have them, I usually auto-regulate their training based on biofeedback with their check-ins. So I might say, let's train five days a week, but um, maybe six days a week. And then the next week you're training four. So especially if they're just like, you know what, I'm really drained. And then we might even change their nutrition based on that. So those are just some small like principles on how I adjust some of those things. But I, I also think that people do change things too frequently. So I usually like to have my people block their training in about six to eight weeks. And then we make some changes from there. But typically there's always going to be a squat or a deadlift or um, some kind of compound movement in there. Um, those don't change too much unless like someone's legs start getting too big. So like, again, bikini that sometimes happens and, uh, yeah, then you just fine tune it from there. You know, one of the things that I think gets overlooked in today's research and what I mean by that is in, in exercise science, you, you have a lot of people who are trying to create this catalog of research and, you know, here's what's been studied so far. So let's look over here and see if we can find something new. And historically, your, your end values are so low. You, you can't get a 10,000 person study group and, and you can't go five or 10 years. And so you end up looking at, oh, let's, you know, here are 10 people from this college campus or 12 people. And we did a six week or a 12 week study and we found hypertrophy was this much better, you know, with this. Well, does that really work over the next five or 10 years? Does it work in, in everybody for every application? And you use the word auto-regulate. And I think it's really important for people to look at the off-season and the growth and the strength aspect of this sport as, as a separate entity. When I entered the off-season, I was immediately a power lifter. And by that, I mean, I knew I had to increase my strength. So I had a stronger base strength for hypertrophy work. Uh, if I was truly just a power lifter, I wouldn't have done some of the same movements. I wouldn't be doing any hypertrophy work, but you have to realize you can't get the best of all worlds in every single workout. You have to have some kind of nonlinear periodization, undulating periodization. You have to have some workouts or blocks of, of training progressions that are really focused on strength and you're okay parking some of those other workouts at the door for a while to, to do this. And a lot of people just don't understand that. Then I have, I have pro clients who are in their 40s and 50s and they've been training for 20 and 30 years and they still think they have to train six days a week and they have to get all of this work in and I've got to train everybody part twice a week. And, and I was just going through this with a younger pro of mine and, you know, he was talking about, you know, he sometimes measures his weeks as, you know, really good week for training, felt strong, or this one wasn't quite so good, et cetera. So we started talking about auto-regulation. And I said, you know, that, 
this, you, you, you're telling me today you just don't feel good, you don't feel strong. We don't have to take a week off. We don't have to deload for a week. You can just take the day off. The, the, the workout you are planning today, you don't feel good, don't do it. Do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and he came back, and if you don't feel good tomorrow, wait one more day. And he came back and he said he did that and he got a PR. And like, you know, that, that's how you're training progression. You're on this upward cycle in the off season to be hitting PRs, but due to sleep or a little overtraining, a little overexertion, you could start to see that dwindle and you're going to just, you're going to think you have to grind harder and harder and you're going to get worse and worse. So you have to know that there is a mindset shift from feeling like you have to do everything in the world that you want to appear on stage a year or two from now. And right now it's all about the workout. If you're not fresh and recovered and strong and seeing that progress workout to workout, it's not a successful off season. Yeah. I had to pull back my back day yesterday. I just did not feel strong and it, it, it turned into, we are not saying PRs today and we we're just going to move some weight for a bit. And uh, yeah. that was going to be enough yesterday. And uh, I had realized that uh, honestly, my biceps weren't recovered from my weekend workout. So today is Wednesday and uh, yesterday was Tuesday. And I just felt that twinge of soreness left that was just going to prevent me from pulling maximally what I needed to. So I basically uh, turned the ego off and just moved for a bit. And I said, well, my next back workout's going to be much better. So, uh, so let's, let's say, as a, as a final way to summarize this, you're, you're filming Rocky 18. And put this in a bodybuilding context, but you're, you're that 85-year-old you know, Rocky Balboa, and you've got this young 18-year-old boxer slash bodybuilder saying, hey, you know, t- tell me how to do this. You've, you've seen it all. You've competed. You've become a pro. You've coached all these people. You built this huge, huge company. And now I want to do what you've done. I want a career. What kind of advice do you give somebody just starting out to, to manage or even perceive their entire career in a way that they can enjoy it and plan it and, and really feel good about having taken those steps? Yeah. Well, I do tell people to get a mentor, somebody who has a lot of experience and somebody that can just kind of help you form a direction. You're going to be able to find a research study that opposes something that you're a fan of. And that is always the case in this industry. And I I think having someone that you can trust and guide you through the process and uh, teach you some things can take a lot of the guesswork out. It can help you sniff out answers much quicker. And I think that type of progression, it's like having a business coach, essentially. Um, You won't always find people to do that, but obviously you've created some amazing things and some amazing tiers. Like you can go from Apex to NAMS. Those are some really excellent ways to get mentorship and uh, help help coaches be better coaches yeah and I you know for my piece in wrapping this up I would I would give the same advice I gave to a client just this week you know she was struggling with the fact that you know I I I knew I just didn't give it my all this year and I I feel bad because you know I'm going to go through with the contest we're going to be on stage in three or four weeks I'm not going to look as good as I could have been and my advice was well then a just don't do the show if you don't feel good about it or b 
you don't have to have that goal of winning every show. You could do it for the experience, for the fact that, man, just having it dangling out there in front of you for the next month may push you to really work a little harder and, and hit that next level. But it's just one day of one year in a long career. So just be, be able to, to adjust with, with the, the changing course of your life and goals and wants and desires. But the main thing is, is look at it as that entire length of, of building a career, building a body, building, building a, a set of psychological and, and social skills that make you a better person. Because I truly would want you, if I was giving that advice to the same fictitious character I, I presented to you, that's what I would want. I would want them to truly be able to look back on their career and say, that was, that was worth it. I, I had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for watching Contest Prep University, especially in this longer form series we're doing, Coaching Behind the Scenes. Uh, as I said last week, we're going to continue this for at least a, a few more weeks, kind of wrap out the season with this. Then we'll, we'll end up with some case studies to, to end the year, get ready for next season. But hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you next time in CPU.